Welcome back to Tip Today. Legal discussion on Tip Today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors joins me in studio. Good morning to you, John, and good to see you. Um, that new bill, John, updating Ireland's law on hate crime and hate speech. You're going to have a look at that uh, yeah. first. Now, it's been approved by the government. It, it still has yeah, to make its, its gone, way through it's, the Shannon, is that it's it? It's gone through the Royal. It's going through the Shannon at the moment. Um, and... I think what prompted me to look at it was um, I remember when I was in college when they introduced the emergency legislation um, I can't remember was it during internment times a long time back anyway and I was a law student studying constitutional law Mm. and there was a huge uproar in the constitutional law tutorial uh, because the kind of general, but it's probably you might say typical of students. But anyway, there was the general belief that you know introducing emergency legislation or legislation that changes constitutional law is something that should should be very rare and mm. only in very justifiable circumstances. And was so, Section Thirty One part of that? Was yeah, it? yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, effectively, what what you had at the time was a suspension of all constitutional rights and, you know, all what would have been human rights and you, you had the special criminal course that mm. were set up and things mm. like that. So there, I remember at the time there was a huge debate about it and when I was watching the telly the other night and I was watching what went on in Dublin and obviously, you know, not very nice to see and... But then when you saw the aftermath of it and then when you had the various uh, statements by public representatives, I won't name any particular one, talking about this this piece of legislation and that this is a justification for why this legislation could, should be immediately processed without any uh, opposition per se and that this was a justifying reason why it should be put through. And that kind of brought me back 40 years to the question as to whether or not legislation should be processed on the basis of particular circumstances if you know what I mean, something that might happen and it gives it gives a good opportunity obviously um, to bypass maybe some of the precautions that are essential to legislation being put mm. into place so is that like saying that tragedy doesn't make good law? John? Well, it's well, lawyers often say, or judges often say, you know, you know, bad law, you know, bad cases make bad law, yeah, yeah. and that that is a problem, and that is a, you know, as a as a lawyer or somebody who's involved in it, that you you know that that is the case. That you know, it's a little bit like making a decision, personal decision, when you're in very traumatic yes, circumstances. Yes. You know, we all say wait until the trauma passes and then make your make your decision on a on a reasoned basis because but I, and again I'm not I'm not raising any kind of comment about um whether the legislation should or not be passed on a on a kind of political note I'm saying mm. that from a legal point of view every piece of legislation has to be uh balanced and I was listening and again I was listening to, and I can't say who it was, somebody in the Shannon, uh basically promoting the bill 
talking about that our constitution, which, I mean, we are a very uh, favoured jurisdiction from the point of view that we do have a constitution. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, a constitution is the kind of benchmark for, you know, a mirror almost to look at legislation to see whether or not it stands up to constitutional issues, if you know what I mean. And the point that was made uh, by the, the, the lady that I was listening to was, look, you know, our constitution has to have a balance between the common good and individual rights. And that, interestingly enough, is really the kind of cornerstone of an analysis by the Supreme Court of legislation if they're to test whether it's constitutional or not. So in other words, when it, when any piece of legislation, and you and I were talking about the legislation that was that that was referred by the President to the Supreme Court mm. on the appointment, you know, the whole area of appointing judges and that, and the President has a function, his function is to refer legislation where where he or she may consider that it needs to be reviewed because obviously uh, legislation can be reviewed by the uh, Supreme Court at any stage on a referral during the court, like if it's enacted and somebody takes a case to the Supreme Court saying, I think this case is unconstitutional, or I think, sorry, that this act is unconstitutional. And there have been many instances of that down the years. But the referral by the president is a very specific, a preemptive strike almost on the legislation to see whether or not it stands up to constitutional scrutiny or not. And the question that I suppose that you have to ask yourself about this legislation, if you're looking at it in that context, is, is there anything in the legislation that should be looked at from a constitutional Mm. point of view? In other words, will it stand the test of either an individual making an application to the Supreme Court or the President making a referral to the Supreme Court. And, you know, again, there hasn't been any talk about that. But well, it, well, there's been some speculation that if it does get to the courts, John, that yes. one of the big difficulties will be the definition of hate. And there doesn't appear to be isn't. a definition yeah. of hate. Well, there isn't. So yeah. what, what, is that going to be left to the judges then to determine that? Well, yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. So the question that you have to ask yourself is that you know, when you look at the kind of the general thrust of the legislation, and obviously the intent is an absolutely valid intent, and I'm not questioning that for one minute. And you know, just just with with a kind of a general look at it, I mean, don't forget that this isn't the first piece of legislation that deals with this, because mm. we had a previous act uh, that that dealt with it and I mean this is this is a new version if you like of an act that was brought in in 1989 which was the prohibition of incitement to hatred act and some people of course arguing that that's perfectly good well exactly yeah. and that and and that is a question that you probably have to ask you know and again it brings me back um to when I was a again was a, yeah, I was just a newly qualified solicitor um, and I was in Sligo and I was asked, little did I know how much of a hot potato it was because I wouldn't be hugely political as in I wouldn't have been hugely au fait with the politics side of 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 the legal of a legal issue and it was around the time where they were looking to amend the constitution on the right of life, the right to life and 
in my innocence, I was asked to give a talk. And I, I, so I studied the, I obviously had studied the Constitution in college and I revisited the Constitution in terms of various cases that had come up uh, about the whole issue of right to life. And having studied it all and having done, I thought, a good job on it, I then stood up in front of a, a, a group, uh, a public meeting, and I addressed the issue as to whether or not there was a need to amend the Constitution, which is on your point as to whether is there a need to mm. amend the previous Act. And my my conclusion was there was no need to amend the previous... Uh, there was no need to bring in a constitutional amendment and that I argued that the law as it was by interpretation of the Constitution by the Supreme Court was there was already a right there and therefore there was no need to add it in. So it brings you back to the question as to whether or not is the current bill necessary and has it added anything to the whole area of... And obviously it does add certain things to it. Mm. But one of the things that the previous Act, the 89 Act and the 22 Bill, which is likely to be soon made law... Uh, is, as you say, the definitions, the definition yes. sections. Because at the end of the day, you know, you ask the question, you know, if there isn't a definition in the legislation, how does one uh, deal with it if you're going to prosecute? Because obviously these are prosecutable offences. I mean, what you're looking at here is that, and this is putting it very, very uh, bluntly or very simply, you're looking at a situation where it's a piece of legislation that says that if you're involved in a situation either in a public arena scenario or a publication scenario or online or whatever, if you're involved in a situation where you uh, express and show hate or hatred to a particular section of society and it lists the, the people that are identified as people that you can if like target mm. from from the point of view of the legislation and it gives a, a list you know ethnic groups you know LGBT, LGBT groups uh, you know gender religion that's all the ones that okay. you might expect yes. and so it kind of says well it's hatred against but it doesn't define what what hatred is? What yeah. hatred is? And and uh, Senator McDowell, who was a respected barrister, of course, as mm. well. I mean, the fact he's bringing up these concerns yeah. with it as well. So you'd yeah. imagine that I mean, if, he's, if he's bringing up that it should be listened to, you know? Yeah, but it, it well, I I can't I can't say whether or not you should or shouldn't listen to uh, Mr. McDowell. Uh, obviously, I would certainly listen to him as a colleague and I would, I'd be very interested in what he has to say about yeah. it. But, I mean, again, and you know, I mean, looking at it from a legal, from a strictly legal point of view, there are additions to the bill. Uh, there's a couple of critiques that mm. have been made of the, of the legislation, mm. none of which seems to have seen the light of day in terms of the amending of the legislation because if you look at the legislation there was a submission made by the Coalition Against Hate Crime which is a it was an umbrella organisation that covers you know human rights uh, LGBT you know all mm, sorts mm, of different mm. interest groups and they made a very very detailed submission on the bill and basically they said not only was there no definition of hate but there's no definition of 
various other uh, incitement or various other areas. And that's the one I want from you, John, because, I mean, obviously it will affect us here. I mean, will it restrict free speech? I mean, that is... Well, you see, one... Yeah, and that's... um, uh, That is the nub of it, because, you know, one of the other critiques that was made by the Coalition Against Hate Crime, and I'm I'm citing them, I'm not saying it's my critique, it's their critique, but I, I do certainly agree with it, is that... In the legislation, the the legislation comes from a directive of the EU and what they've done is they've transposed this fancy term for kind of added into the back of the law legislation, the directive from the EU. So they're kind of locked that on and then added the act in front of it. So effectively the act says... Well, the directive, we're applying the directive, and by the way, it's on Appendix 1, so you look to Appendix 1 for the directive. So that raises the first question. Where are you looking? Are you looking in the bill or are you looking in the directive from the EU to decide what is the law in this area? So that that is a critique by on the legislation as well, that why was there a need to include the directive if you were trying to cover everything in the Act? And that could lead to fairly uh, interesting uh, argument by people who are being prosecuted under the Act. But then you, when you move along and you look at it, it basically allows certain circumstances um, where people can actually... Um, if you like, use hateful material, you know, vocally mm. or otherwise. Yeah, this, this is a fascinating part of yeah. it, I, I think, John. Will, will, will yeah. you explain this? Yeah, basically what they're saying is that it's an offence if you incite violence against persons on account of their protective characteristics. That's the, that's the terminology of the legislation. So in other words, if you incite any kind of a situation where the protected characteristics are being challenged and it's shown to be hateful under those circumstances. But there are defences to it. And one of, one of the defences that they have in it is that, well, the one that you'd, that you'd commonly come across, absolute privilege. You know, if you're in the Doyle, apparently you can say whatever you like in the yeah. Doyle, as we know. Yeah. Um, uh, that's absolute privilege. But a reasonable and genuine contribution to literary, artistic, political, scientific, religious and ac- academic discourse. So it's called the disc- the discourse defence. And the big um, criticism and a very significant criticism of the legislation is that they've brought in this discourse defence, which effectively means, and the argument is, that people in uh, public public known individuals it, it brings me in mind in mind of um an a, a, an interview with Elon Musk uh on that hit the headlines all over the US when he used a various expletive to uh, indicate what he thought of um Disney withdrawing their, their advertising, advertising yeah. to X and it was fairly fairly straight and right 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 between the eyes to uh, Disney saying I don't give a whatever to whether you want to withdraw your advertising or not now if you're in a, a public figure like he is or you're a political figure and you bring in the argument well 
I'm only involved in a discourse here and I am I'm a public figure and I'm a figure that people listen to and I'm simply just being interviewed by Joe Bloggs, by Fran is interviewing me on the radio and I'm a public figure and therefore it's only in that context that I uttered these utterances that if some private individual did it, they would not be able to call into account that defence. They wouldn't be able to. So to me, yes. that, that opens the but, whole argument. But, but John, if I'm listening to a discourse on the radio, say, yes. say on tip yeah. today yeah. here, and I'm yeah. at home and yeah. I'm listening very carefully to yeah. this, and I think, and and if I feel that John Lynch, in something he said, incited me to hate somebody or to carry out some act on some group or some person or something. Do I have a case then, even though some might argue, not at all, John didn't say that, that's not what he meant. But, I mean, have I, have I a case then? Has who the case? Have like, you... if, 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 I, if somebody acts upon that... Yes. And and they they when they tell the court that oh well it was something John said on tip today right. is that a defence is that a defence no because you see your act you'd argue that you see the, the the whole legislation here is about the incitement side of it so it's really only looking at the individual on the radio saying what he said mm. or she said if you know what I mean and the the problem that I the where I see it is that. The individual who is at home isn't necessarily inciting anybody. They're acting on it. But if they go out in public and show that hatred, then, if you like, you look at that in isolation. The fact that somebody... Like, there's two offences. There's the actual behaving in a way. Like, if you if you look at the scenario that occurred in Dublin where people went out and, and literally subjected uh, people to all sorts of uh, behaviour mm. showing hatred yes. towards them, whatever. In that situation, they that's a standalone situation because there's offences of incitement, but there's actually the, the basic defence, actions likely to stir up hatred. I mean, an action likely to stir up hatred right. could be you on the internet literally... Um, the discourse that we're talking about, the discourse defence that you're talking about, isn't going to be open to you if you're sitting at home on your computer and you're on X, mm. Twitter yes. or whatever, you're on X and you're inciting hatred or you're seen to be inciting hatred. And the the, the whole argument that uh, has been made is that instead of having that particular provision in there, what they should have done was literally cited the law as it stands i.e. that you have a right to free speech and that mm. you know and, and under those and under those circumstances you should be relying on those constitutional protections and not bypassing what is the law and just introducing this new defence Alright, can I play you a piece? There's 50 seconds of this John yeah. and I'd love your opinion on it. This is Richard Boyd Barrett in mm. full flight he's addressing a rally, and I'll say no more. Just, just have a listen to this. That this a state that is capable of doing this is a psychopath. The only thing you can do with a state like this is resist this and bring it down. And that is what has to happen 
with the filthy apartheid racist colonial settler regime that is Israel. Yes. We have to do what they did in South Africa. We have to do what they did in Vietnam. We have to do what they did in Algeria. We have to do what we had to do here in Ireland. Yes. Resist them. So we've got to rise up. The only answer to this is Intifada. Revolution, as Asiel said, the collective revolution of humanity to take our society back for humanity. Now, what, what do you make of that, Princess? Where would that fall if this, if this amendment was there? Well, he would try and argue that it was, and 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 again, it comes back to the very point that you asked, and that, that you you asked the question. Who def- who decides this? You know, who decides what's hate mm. if you don't define it? And the argument that was made on this particular section is that why introduce this uh, se- section into it when you've got pre-existing mm. law yes. under the right to free speech, etc., etc. So if you look at the section, what the section says is it's a reasonable and genuine contribution to, in this case, political... Uh, or academic discourse, so it'll be political discourse. So there's there's the question that you're posing. Would you argue and could you argue that that's reasonable and genuine? Is it genuine? Yeah, you'd argue, he'd obviously argue that it was genuine. But he's talking about rising is it up, reasonable? he's talking about rebellion. He's yeah, about, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but you see, is it, is it, and again, exactly the point that you made at the start, is it hate? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? How do you define hate? How does one define hate? And the irony of it is that there was a definition that was offered by the coalition on hatred. And if if I if you bear with me for a second, if I can lay my hands on it, let's see would it cover it, if you know what I mean. Mm. Okay, so hatred. Hatred means a state of mind characterized as intense and irrational emotions of enmity or detestation against a person or a group of persons in the state or elsewhere on account of their membership or presumed membership of a group defined by reference to a protected characteristic or any one of those characteristics. So, you see, mm. the argument here is that the yeah. state of Israel doesn't yeah, I mean, no, it, but it, if I was a Jewish person, yeah, I might yeah, say yeah. That, that's might. that's not yeah. just an attack on yeah, the state; that's might. an attack on the Jewish uh, people. Um, yeah, you might. Yeah, Do you, you know. Might. Yeah, but therein lies the fascination of the legal system, in the sense that if I'm defending him, I'm going to defend him in one way. If I'm prosecuting him, I'm you going prosecute to prosecute him in way. another way, and then it's going to, as you say, come down to yes. if there is no interpret. But even with even with the interpretation. You still have an argument. You're always going to have an argument. It's interesting. Yeah, but yeah. is it case law that will define case this law in will, the case end? Case law that, will define it in the yeah. end. And effectively, what you know, what you're looking at here. I mean, there. I mean, it's it's a it's a really fascinating piece of legislation from a discursive point of view, because if you look at it. You know, it has broadened the rights to search. So effectively, you could be sitting at home with a, uh, a warrant. Somebody comes in your door, says, I want that computer, I want your password, I want your encrypted code, and I want to take all the stuff off your machine, etc., etc. So there's a whole 
arguments there about your your constitutional rights, like your house is supposed to be inviolable, and yet under this piece of legislation, you could get a guard knocking on your door. 1984. Well, <laughs> John, real pleasure as always. Thanks so much Thank indeed. John Lynch, Lynch Solicitors. That's it for me, Emma Produced. Ellie uh, looks after a contest. Stevenson's on the way with the time total. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves. Bye bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.